0: I remember uh, having a, a crush on a on a girl in first grade, when I was in first grade, clarify that. Uh, second grade, and third grade, and fourth grade, fifth grade. Finally, uh, she ag- agreed to be my girlfriend. And uh, I don't think it was a whole week later she broke up with me. My heart broke. I remember... Um, uh, trying out for baseball. I think I was in sixth grade trying out for seventh grade team. And uh, and when you get to school, they used to post the list on the locker room door. And my name wasn't there. My heart broke. I remember applying for a job. I wanted to be a youth minister in a small town right around this area. Uh, yeah, the the guy who laughs is the guy who didn't hire me. Uh, well, my heart kind of broke. Um I got over it we we love stories of of people who um, who have had a broken heart and then they are motivated uh, to do something about it uh, You may have heard the the story of a, a basketball player named michael Jordan um, i know he's a, he's an old guy now but um, but there are stories of how he was cut in high school and and the stories are a little they're, to, they're not always told the, the the right way, but long story short is that His heart was broken, and he worked very hard and and then became the best basketball player ever. Some people say uh, there's another guy that's better now, LeBron. Um, But even if he is, uh, we we don't like that story because he didn't have a heartbreak. He went to a prep school and was molded into what he is and has all the latest technology. We don't like that story. We want a story of motivation where someone... Uh, has a broken heart, and they do something about it. They climb out of it. It's, it's perseverance. It's hard work. It's determination. But most of the stories, though, kind of tough, most of these stories are they're selfish. It, it's someone who fails in some way, or something's failed them, or someone's failed them, and then they, they work really hard, and they climb out of it. And we love those stories. There's Mo- so many movies and, and stories about that uh, about those. But what about a broken heart that motivates us to do something for others. That's what we're going to talk about today. In 1947, a guy named Robert Pierce, he worked for a, an organization called Youth for Christ. And on his way to China, he met a lady trying to take care of an abandoned child. The, the lady couldn't take care of the child herself. It was in, in Honolulu. He was going towards China. And so she asked Pierce what he would do about it. And, and Pierce's heart broke. And he gave $5, his last $5 to help um, take care of that, that young child and he agreed to send the same every month uh, for the the, uh, duration. Pierce made it to China, and thousands were saved at rallies, and uh, and when he was there, he saw a lot of hunger. His heart broke for the kids there, too, and uh, he he felt compassion. And he wrote in his Bible, uh, someone found it later, it was written in his Bible, he said, let my heart be broken with the things that break the heart of God. The borders of China were soon closed, and Pierce showed pictures to churches in North America, and he asked for money to to help the children. And he showed their faces, the pictures, and, and he begged Christians to adopt one child, uh, you know, to, to sponsor them. We use that today. And in 1950, he incorporated the, this crusade, and it's called World Vision. Now, I'm not up here to push for World Vision. We're not going to pass out packets with the pictures of the kids. Um, but 70 years ago his heart broke because he saw a need. And he did something about it, and people are still feeling a, a blessing today. A broken heart doesn't feel like it's something that can, uh, when, when you're going through it, when it happens, it's useless. You just, want it, you just want the pain to be gone. But there's a lot of good in a broken heart. A lot can happen because of it. Jeremiah, uh, the prophet we're looking at today, uh, like Bob Pierce, he served with a broken heart. He's known as the weeping prophet. He had a hard message for the people, uh, for, his, for God's chosen people at the time, and it was repentance. Change the way you live. And just like today, when we want someone to turn away from sin, turn towards God, it was the same message then. Who are you to tell me what to do? Who are you to tell me how to live my life? But he continued anyway. In a similar manner, Jesus Uh, wept over people's sins his heart broke because they were they were weary and worn out like sheep without a shepherd jesus ministry was because of a broken heart and it cost him his life so what breaks your heart we're in our our series the person god uses study through the book of jeremiah it's the longest book in the bible so we're not going to go through everything today we're going to spend some time in chapter eight so if you want to follow along jeremiah chapter eight we're going to look at what broke Jeremiah's heart, see if maybe we're kind of in the same boat. So, if you want to start with me, Jeremiah chapter 8, beginning at verse 4. Say to them, This is what the Lord says When people fall down, do they not get up? When someone turns away, do they not return? Why then have these people turned away? Why does Jerusalem always turn away? They cling to deceit, they refuse to return. I have listened attentively, but they do not say what is right. None of them repent of their wickedness, saying, What have I done? Each pursues their own course, like a horse charging into battle. Even the stork in the sky knows her appointed seasons, and the dove and the swift and the thrush observe the time of their migration. Number one, let your heart be broken by turning from your sin. Jeremiah was speaking to people who knew about God. They turned away from him. And they had no intentions of turning back people he used these illustrations, people who fall, they naturally get back up. people who get lost get on the wrong road, you try to find the right road, even birds know the direction to go. We know what sin does uh, we we know how sin makes us feel personally. we know how sin can lead to uh, guilt and and shame. We know what sin does to us relationally we we know that uh, that sinful actions uh, can, can really break and ruin relationships and, and cause a lot of turmoil for, for a long time. Maybe we don't know how God feels about our sin, but even those first two probably, I would think, would be enough motivation to leave it. But just like the, the Israelites, God's chosen people, we choose to stay in it. We like First 1 John 1, 1.9 that says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And we should love that passage. That's very good to know that if we would confess our sins. But, but what if we just stopped there? What if we ignored Jesus' other words that said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance, turning back towards God. We, we confess at, at our conversion, maybe the time you're baptized and, and and then we acknowledge our sinful nature, and then kind of stop, just leave it leave it at that. but Jesus says, "Don't just acknowledge it, he says, "Go and sin no more and, and as much as I think repentance is one of those words, it's like it just sounds like another job, like an action that we have to do and but w- wait, what about this gift of grace if if God is graceful and he's done the work through Jesus then And why why does it feel like we have to do so much? Repentance is grace. I mean, if it weren't for grace, if if it weren't for a second chance, there'd be no point in repenting. One time, one sin, you're done. You're condemned to hell, and it's over. We we may as well just leave. But repentance is a reminder that God is a God of second chances and third chances. and, And we always, as long as we're here, we have a chance to turn back towards God. It's a good reminder. I want to keep reading in verse, uh, verse seven. "But my people do not know the requirements of the Lord. How can you say, you, "We are wise, for we have the law of the Lord, when actually the, the lying pen of the scribes has handled it falsely? The wise will be put to shame, they will be dismayed and trapped, since they have rejected the word of the Lord, what kind of wisdom do they have? Therefore, I will give their wives to other men and their fields to new owners. From the least to the greatest, all the greedy for grain, prophets and priests alike, all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. They are ashamed of their detestable, are they ashamed of their detestable conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. So they will fall among the fallen. They will be brought down when they are punished, says the Lord. I will take away their harvest, declares the Lord. There will be no grapes on the vine. There will be no figs on the tree, and their leaves will wither. What I have given them will be taken from them. Second, let your heart be broken by living God's word. Now, Jeremiah, he watched, he watched people, including the religious leaders, uh, abuse and misuse and ignore God's word. They knew it. They didn't want to live it out. The Bible is the most sold book in the world. Uh, I, don't know how, I don't know how many copies have been given away, but it's the most sold. Uh, over 5 billion copies have been sold worldwide. But a lot of people don't read the Bible physically anymore. You don't get a copy. You, you download it on your phone. And the YouVersion app is probably the most popular. has a lot of reading plans. It's really good. I have it on my phone. Uh, the YouVersion app in 2017, newest numbers I could find on that, had been downloaded over 268 million times, um, and it's relatively new. Today, um, over five million there are over five million ratings. If you go to the App Store, look at Uversion. Over five million ratings. The average or the star average is 4.9 out of five. What that tells me is a lot of people have downloaded the Bible, and most people are, think pretty highly of it. I mean, 4.9 out of five is pretty good. But I wonder how can so many people read it, just assuming people are reading it, they download it, but it, it doesn't seem like we're living on the same level. I think we're missing something. Jesus actually spoke on this, not, on, uh, not about you version per se, because they didn't have smartphones back then. But, but he, he talked to some religious people, and, and they were reading the scriptures. They knew it very well. He says, you study the scriptures diligently. So not only do they just know it, but they're really trying to know it well. I mean, they study it, and the scribes, the Pharisees, they did, and they knew it better than anyone. He says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Do we read the Bible to feel good? Uh, Do we read it so that we can check it off a list of our daily reading plan? Do we read it just to better understand it? Jesus says, read it to know him. I'm not saying those other things are bad, but we need to read the scriptures to know Jesus more intimately, and when we start to know who he was and who he cared for and how he loved people and the sacrifices he made, then our heart breaks in the same way that his heart breaks, and then we start to live like him. And we might notice a little little difference in the world around us. We're not going to know that difference because... People check it off of a plan and move on and don't live out what they read. i want to go on in, the, in Jeremiah's story, verse 20. The harvest is past, the summer has ended, and we are not saved. Let your heart be broken by realizing the sense of urgency. This, the harvest, um, w- well, it was a different season. It was like the fall. It was just called the harvest and the summer, um, but they were two different seasons. The harvest was grain similar to us, and the summer was to pick fruit. And and if one wasn't so good that year, the other one was okay, then they were fine. But when both were were, were bad, the harvest and, and the fruit both uh, didn't work out so well, then it was a tragedy. They didn't have food. And with any harvest, though, there's this sense of urgency. We have, we have some farmers here. Um, you know they have, to, they have to get out in the fields. When it's time, it's time. You, you can't mess around. You don't know what the weather's going to do. Uh, you got to get it out before it's too late. We have to have a, a similar sense of urgency uh, for the lost souls. It's It's estimated that over 30 million people worldwide will die each year without knowing Christ. 30 million people. Now, I don't know about you, but statistics a lot of times are made up. And even if they are real, I don't know if I believe them. And... And sometimes it's just another number. I mean, who cares? I don't think that's going to break our hearts. Maybe it will. I hope it does for for some of you. It doesn't break mine, but but what does break my heart? Can you think of someone that you know uh, that doesn't know Jesus, and if they were to die today, they would be be a lost soul? I know some people like that. I, I know we all do. Maybe that breaks our heart a little more when we start to personalize this a little bit, and not just throw out big numbers. We live in a lost and, and broken world. People are desperate to know Jesus. Do we really care? I don't know what I'm going to do this week fully. I don't know what my full schedule is going to look like. I'm, I'm not, I didn't really write a, a, a note that says, hey, share the gospel with this person this week. I probably should. You probably should too. We probably all should. Someone needs to hear it this week. This, this week might be the last week for someone to hear it. Three weeks before President John, John Kennedy was assassinated, he said, almost all presidents leave office feeling that their work is unfinished. I have a lot to do and so little time to do it. As followers of Christ, we have work. We don't know how much time we have left to do what we need to do. The gospel is only good news if people know it. If we don't share it, it's not good news. Jeremiah, uh, had a, he had broken a broken heart for sure, uh, and it wasn't easy. Verse 21, he, he says, Since my people are crushed, I am crushed, I mourn, and horror grips me. Let your heart be broken by watching someone self-destruct. That's what he did. Jeremiah saw people like his children. He saw people like his, like his own family, and it hurt him. He, he saw them moving in a direction that was going to lead to destruction. This is how Jesus looked at us as well. When the, when the shock and the burden of the sins of the people took hold of Jesus, his sweat turned to blood. We, we, we know this word excruciating. You think it's the worst kind of, of pain possible. Excruciating means out from the cross. That's where that word came from. Jesus' pain was, was unbearable, and it hurt so much because he cared. I know we talk about this a lot. Every week you're probably going to hear someone from the stage say that God loves you. He sent Jesus to die for you, and it was, it's our only way to be saved. That's the gospel, the good news of Jesus. We talk about it all the time. And, and I think we just kind of start to, okay, I heard it last week. I get it now. But do we get it or not? It has to be personal, not just with our family and our friends, but with everyone. We have to look at every person not as an enemy, not as someone who's on the other side, not as someone I don't really care about. It's someone's son, someone's daughter, someone's spouse. It could be yours. It could be mine. What would break our hearts to care so much? I don't know the answer sometimes. Sometimes I don't care that much. I'd like to say that I care about everyone all the time sometimes I just want someone, you know, people to leave me alone. You, you get that. We get so focused on our own priorities because things are urgent, but are they really that important? Jeremiah's heart broke. Verse 22, he said, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no healing for the wound of my people? Let your heart be broken by, by people refusing the cure. See, Jeremiah was looking east to the city of, of, or the town of Gilead, and Gilead had a Uh, a tree there uh, that made some kind of resin and it was made into an uh an ointment uh, to 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 heal it was a symbol of hope there was a cure it it was it was right there and jeremiah he, he was saying that okay the remedy exists there is a cure for them it was repentance for us it's repentance but we know jesus as well, it it's still uh, re- repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. We we get that it goes together, but they would not apply the, the remedy. A physician could heal their, their sickness, but they didn't want it. You you might you probably know someone who uh, they're on a uh, on medicine, uh, some kind of medicine, and they just choose not to take it. Uh, I, I know some people who are like that, and you think why wouldn 't they just take it it would It would make them better, or at least they wouldn 't get worse. You know couples um, married couples who are who are struggling, who need counseling, but it 's not going to happen you, you might know an employee who, if they would just listen to their their boss or their their supervisor or their coworker, they could really be successful, but they 're not going to ask they 're not going to listen. You might know someone who 's looking for hope. There is no way they're going to look to Jesus right now. The church is the last place they're going to look. This is where we come in. People have to look to us and see that Jesus matters so much in our lives that he would also matter in theirs. If they look to us and he's just uh, something that someone we say we believe in and we go to church, and but everything else looks the same in our lives as it, as it did before, who's going to care? Who who really wants that? Just another another day in 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 church or another thing to do? Mark Bible reading off if it's not making a difference and they don't truly understand what God did for us and how much He loves us and how He showed that through a sacrifice. Who would really care? Jeremiah struggled a lot. I want to finish up chapter nine, verses one and two. He said, "Oh that my." head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears i would weep day and night for the slain of my people oh that i had in the oh that i had in the desert a lodging place for travelers so that i might leave my people and go away from them for they are all adulterers a crowd of unfaithful people his heart broke so much for them but he wasn't condemning them he just wanted to save them so much he wanted them to turn from their sin and turn towards god He even wants to leave them, not because he doesn't want them to know, but because it's so unbearable. And that's the challenge sometimes. You might share the gospel with with ten people. You might be really trying to work and and let people know about this, and they don't accept it, and they don't believe it. And if I I share it five times, and no one believes it, no one accepts it, then I'm just wasting my time. No no one's going to believe it the sixth time or the seventh time or the eighth time. So why, why would I waste all my time doing that? I'm going to do something that I see results from. Jeremiah did this for 40 years. We can't stop. We can keep working on the same people, keep uh, reminding them, keep showing them, keep loving them, and keep finding new people and sharing the gospel with. That's how the kingdom will grow, one person at a time. I think our hearts become calloused. What's real and what's not? Uh, when I look at the, any news or, um, I mean, just to open up any any uh, website or Yahoo or Google News or uh, any real news, I guess, um, and you see bombings and, and shootings. And oh, 30 people died in this bomb and, and three people were killed in this shooting and uh, another school shooting, another church shooting. Eventually it's like, oh, just... This is what happens now. This, that's the world we live in. Our hearts become callous. Then we, we watch movies and videos and well, there's shootings in there and there's bombs in there and there's shootings. And, and then it, I think our, our, our minds and our hearts, it's just, just the world we live in. And our hearts don't break anymore. Hearts have to break. Something has to break your heart. God uses people with broken hearts. Maybe you were abused, so your heart breaks for people who are in a, an abusive situation. Maybe you're an alcoholic, so your heart breaks when you see someone who's looking to something that you know will not bring them any hope. It didn't bring you hope. It's not going to bring them hope, but that's where they're at. Maybe your heart breaks because you were adopted. You, you care ab- about foster kids, or you, you just want people to have a family because you see the value in it. I don't know what breaks your heart. Sometimes I don't know what breaks my heart. But we have to, we have to be looking around. Something has to break our heart, or we'll never make a difference. That's who God uses, people with broken hearts. We're going to take communion, have a chance to give offering when you leave. This is the reminder. This is the, the ultimate reminder of what broke God's heart the most, that we would, that we would die apart from him, that, that we would be condemned to hell. He didn't, it, he didn't want us to be there. And so much so you say, well, why didn't he just make us like robots and we can never sin and there's no hell? then where's, where's the opportunity for love? To, to love him, to have a purpose? We are here with a purpose to share the love of Jesus with, with others. God has shown his love through his son. He had an opportunity to show us how much his heart broke, that he would sacrifice his son for you and for you and for you, for all of us. There are so many lost people out there. I don't know if our hearts are broken enough, and I'm, I'm, I'm right with you. But we have to open our eyes and see the people who are lost, who, who if they died today, they would not be with God. They would not be in heaven. We have to, we have to even look at the, the temporary, or the, uh, I guess the more temporary needs, that someone is going through this life depressed, no hope, no purpose, don't even know why they're here. We have to have a broken heart so that God can use us so that we can make a difference and show the love that he showed us through his son. Let's pray. Father, you are so good to us. We were created by you in your image. It just shows the beginning of, of your love for us. We messed up pretty quickly, uh, but you You kept trying to bring us back, kept trying to show us a better way, kept trying to show your people uh, that, that you are trustworthy and And that you are faithful to us. And and when, when we still failed, you came through and did what had to happen. You sacrificed your son Jesus on the cross. God, I thank you that we can trust you because of your love and your faithfulness. And I thank you that even after Jesus died, you rose him from the dead. And so we can trust your power and know that you are both a powerful God and a loving Father. Let that be our hope and reminder as we leave. Let our hearts break for the things that break your heart. We thank you so much for Jesus, and it's his name we pray.